Because I have decided to follow Jesus, now my conversation and my thinking has to be nuanced. Now I have to say, how do I hold that personal freedom in tension with the lordship of Jesus in my life? And if you really want a gold star on your forehead, how do I put the lordship of Jesus above? This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this is a conversation inspired by Bishop Wright's Four Faith Weekly Devotion sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe in the episode's description. Bishop, the title of this week's devotion might be my favorite one yet. <laughs> you All got, right. You got, I guess you got your inspiration. I don't guess. You got it from Revelation chapter one, verses four through eight. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> you said this, you said, if jujitsu is using an opponent's strengths or weaknesses to accomplish one's goals, then Jesus is a jujitsu master. Yes. And I read it a couple of times and got more and more excited with the parallel. And so you want to say more about it? I do. I, I, I think like lots of people, um, you know, I just try to go through my life and I, I, I think about all the church services I've been through and to and all the Bible reading and all the uh, other sorts of reading. And then, you know, you go out into your life and then you see examples of how God is in the world and things come to mind. Um, and I don't know how I got to jujitsu. I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not a martial artist. I respect those folks an awful lot, but it just, it just occurs to me that, it, you know, the way in which God does love is to make strength out of weakness. And so the precondition for all the strengths and virtues that, that are gifted to us in the spirit really do come from the weaknesses and the foibles of what it means to be human. And so, and so God just, again, God is a genius and Jesus is just a walking, talking, you know, dude hanging out in Galilee that is just a, a genius when it comes to um, connecting to us as human beings. Yeah. I got excited about the weaknesses part. I'm like, wait, so God just isn't using just our strengths. Yeah. Like oh, God no. uses our weaknesses in order to get what God wants. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. I'm not sure if God only had our strengths to work with, uh, that God would have a whole lot to work with, right? Mm. <laughs> I mean, certainly we, we do because of, uh, you know, because the gifts given to us uh, and, and the lessons we've learned and the knowledge that's been passed on to us, we do have some accumulated strengths. But interestingly enough, most of those strengths come through failure, come through uh, family of origin, things we've had to work through. Uh, come through the resilience born of hardship, uh, come through the wise words given to us at important intersections by people who have endured hardship or frailty. And so it, it is it is not linear in any way. It's all cyclical. And, and, you know, what I like to say is that God recycles. And so so if we're talking about the book of Revelation, we're talking about this vision of John uh, of what the end will be. We're talking about God's ultimate victory and, and is how God brings love out of everything that is not love, right? And how, and how everything that is not love cracks and crumbles 
or it becomes the mulch around the flowers that shoot up that are ultimately love and virtue and mercy and grace and all those things. Yeah. So as I was reading the devotion, I couldn't help but wonder why you didn't call it freedom until, of course, I got to the end. Yeah. Um, But another favorite phrase in it uh, of mine is, you said this, you said, people ought to smell freedom on us. Yeah. So if you had to put into words what that (laughs) smell would smell like... How would you describe it? You know, I don't know. You know <laughs> Come on. You know, I'm a preacher. And so preachers are trying to use the, the, the you know, their, um, you know, words to paint a picture. You know, I like what Walter Brueggemann says. He says that, that poetry is better than prose. Poetry is more capacious, right? It, it is, allows you to be more honest. It, it, it creates. So when we say roses are red and violets are blue, sugar is sweet and so are you, right? That, that's just a poetic flourish to try to say, boy, oh boy, I sure do love you, you know? Uh, because prose, just uh, I love you. It's great and beautiful, but it just, you know, it doesn't, it's not the flourish. What I'm just trying to say is, is that uh, perhaps we have met people that, 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 that had a fragrance of something on them by the way they lived their life and the way they interacted with other people that seemed like it was in the world but not of the world is what I'm trying to say, right? So one of the things that freedom is, here's your, here's your big word alert, is an ex, uh, freedom is an eschatological uh, uh, um, <laughs> uh, virtue, right? So, so, so glory and freedom and all those things sort of leak into this world from another world. And when we walk with Jesus and we participate in a life with Jesus and we live our life according to Jesus, you know, some of him rubs off on us. And the world ought to know something about, you know, about how our relationship uh, uh, with Jesus is by how we live and how we look and indeed by how we smell. And so, you know, one of the great examples I like to say is that I got a chance to meet C.T. Vivian and C.T. Vivian was one of Dr. King's. Uh, great lieutenants and C.T. Vivian most famously was an advisor to King in lots of matters, but he also was on the forefront himself in Jackson, Mississippi. And there's this iconic video where he's trying to walk up the steps to the courthouse to register some voters. And uh, the chief, uh, the, the, the chief sheriff there uh, punches him in the head, a guy by the name of Jim Clark. Uh, Jim Clark breaks his hand on C.T. Vivian's head, knocks C.T. Vivian down the stairs. He falls. He, he, he's bloodied. C.T. Vivian gets right back up uh, and persists and ultimately is arrested, et cetera. But, but C.T. Vivian told me later about that incident that he realized that, that he was no longer afraid to die. He was free. He was no longer afraid to die. He was literally no, I mean, he loved his wife. He loved his kids. He loved the work that he was doing. He was not a martyr. He didn't have a martyr complex, right? But he realized that he loved this notion of setting people free and setting this country free more than he was afraid of Jim Clark and his gun and his brutality. And so, so to meet people like that, it had nothing to do with me, but just to sit at their feet and realize that that thing exists, right, in the world and its difference-making, in, in some ways... Uh, at least is an invitation that you and I be a little bit more free. You know, just a half step more free. So a lot of people treat the book of Revelation as one of doom and gloom. Yeah. Yet the very first chapter mentions that God loves us and freed us from our sins. 
So I'm wondering if you can expound on the good news of what that means. It was a bad day for Pharaoh and all the brutality of Egypt, but it was a great damn day for the Hebrew, you know, former Hebrew slaves. I mean, you know, it was a great damn day. You know, it was, a, you know, as they say, a great getting up morning. Yeah. You know, and uh, it was a bad day for Houston, but a great day for the Atlanta Braves. You know, I mean, that that is just true. And and so if 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 oppression in all its forms and brutality in all its forms and and um, and hatred in all its forms uh, is what you're betting on, then you're going to have a bad damn day, uh, you know, when all of that ultimately comes to its fate, which is to crack and crumble and to reveal itself as inferior. And if you've been betting on love and doing your level best to participate in love and expand love and amplify love and create love, we're out of lovelessness. Uh, then on that great getting up morning, as they say, uh, you're going to have a great damn day. Because uh, as we say, and we believe in the church, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. And Christ is coming again. But if you want to use the book of Revelations language on that one day, then that's going to be one hell of a celebration uh, where, where we know that we know that we know that we were always on the right side of things. And that we know that we know that we know that it was worth all of the toil and all the trouble and all of the this and that to know that deep in my soul, you know, um, you know, is, is how we participate in, in, in what scripture says is that every tongue knowing and every, rather every eye knowing and every tongue confessing, right? We, we, we get to be part of that invited in to that right now. And that's the hardship of it. To know that now, while the world is not quite there, is doesn't seem like freedom. It, free, it feels like a burden to know that we're made for better and for more, um, to know that as we look at the news, vigilantism is not a virtue, no matter what we see in the news and in courtrooms, et cetera. But to know that neighborliness is a virtue and to forgiveness is a virtue and contempt and malice have no place in the beloved community. Um, to know that now feels like a burden uh, because we've been given this vision of what the end needs to look like. And we've been given agency and power and gifts to begin to bend this earth to look more like heaven. It's a burden. It's a hardship. That's why they call it a cross. But it just so happens that in this great jujitsu move of God, you know, the cross is not a symbol of shame, but ends up being the key to life. Hmm. All right, friends, we'll be right back after a short break. This is Four People producer Easton Davis thanking you for listening to Four People. Four People is a space of digital evangelism dedicated to sharing the good news and leadership of Jesus Christ. Who do you know that needs to hear today's episode? Who do you want to hear it? Subscribe to four people and keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. And now back to four people. Welcome back to four people. Bishop, there's a lot of politicization surrounding the word freedom lately. Uh, maybe not just lately, but like for a long, long time, uh, especially in this country. 
It's a source of lamentation for me and I think many others when we get caught up in the idea of personal freedom. So how do you think Jesus would respond to the concept of personal freedom today? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could just see Jesus, you know, at the at the news desk at, at the news desk at CNN or uh, MSNBC or Fox, you know. <laughs> Here we have a you know, this little short brown woolly-haired, you know, child of a day laborer who'd like to reflect now on personal freedom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I think that um this notion of personal freedom that that we tend to use in our country uh, would be a foreign idea, uh, frankly speaking. If, if I'm reading, if I'm reading the Hebrew context of Jesus's life, uh, if I'm reading that right, then I, I think this notion of personal freedom and personal convenience over everything else would be anathema. Would be Mandarin Chinese for Jesus. Um, I, I think he wouldn't, at least from his stories. It, it seems that he thinks of. A personal freedom as a resource to secure freedom for others, right? I mean, if, if that is not true, then the incarnation is ridiculous, right? So the incarnation is God choosing to uh, put God's freedom aside for a minute, constrain God's self to the limitations of human flesh, human betrayal, human pettiness, and, and ultimately human violence to secure the freedom of other people. And so, and so that is what the incarnation is. So it seems that uh, Jesus is a Southerner in this regard. In other words, Jesus is saying, I could show you better than I can tell you. And, uh, I, you know, so if Jesus was being interviewed, I think that's what Jesus would, would say. I can show you better than I can tell you. In other words, watch what I did. You know, I use my personal freedom as a man and as someone who un- who's understood as a public theologian in Galilee to include the terminally ill, to include people with uh, pre-existing health conditions, to include uh, women, uh, to include women who have fallen from grace. I'm thinking of the woman who was condemned to death for adultery, uh, to include children, to include uh, the, I mean, so the list goes on. So here is Jesus using his personal freedom, right, as a resource for people who are not, who are yet to be liberated in society, extending to them you know, his freedom so they can get free. Mm. So the concept of the home of the free and the land of the brave might be countercultural to Jesus or not, not countercultural because we know Jesus is countercultural. Yeah. I think Jesus would say that home of the free and land of the brave is beautiful. And I think Jesus would say home of the free is a wonderful ideal and here's how you make it real. It's, fr- it's, it's beautiful if it extends to 350 million Americans. And it's beautiful in equal, in equal terms. It, it is beautiful if then this nation goes out and, 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 and lobbies for and works for freedom around the globe, et cetera, that is not, that is not biased or small. Um, uh, I, so I think, yeah, I think, I think that Jesus doesn't, uh, automatically have, you know, bear anti-American sentiment. I think what Jesus would say is, is that these are great ideas, but there is a gap between the ideals and, and the application. Let's work on the application. Right. I imagine a lot of people, I, I know a lot of people who are sitting in our pews are very 
they're very passionate about their political affiliation and for what their parties are are striving to achieve and accomplish. Sure. Yet I I, I think you're right. I think I think we're missing something. That minding the gap portion. I don't know who says that. I know Brene Brown quotes it all the time. I don't know if it was Peter Drucker. I have no clue, but all of uh, them. All all of them, right? <laughs> we got to we got to mind the gap of what we say is important and how we're living into that. Right. Well, this is what Jesus does, right? Jesus doesn't just mind the gap. Jesus stands in the gap. Right? Jesus comes and lays himself down over the gap to be bridge over gap, right? And so I, I, again, this is the this is a great um, conversation if you're if you when you look at Facebook and other places about people really getting bent out of shape about how they feel that personal liberties are being trampled on. I'm I'm big on personal liberties. I just you know if if I were to just answer as an American, I would say absolutely. You know, land of the free, home of the brave, personal liberties. Yes, but because I have decided to follow Jesus, now my conversation and my thinking has to be nuanced. Now I have to say, how do I hold that personal freedom intention, intention with, you know, the lordship of Jesus in my life? And if you really want a gold star on your forehead, how do I put the lordship of Jesus above my, my, my sort of own pension for and desire for personal freedom? In other words, what personal freedoms do I have to give away of my own volition because I'm following Jesus of my own volition? Yeah, this is how Jesus does jujitsu, you know, in the world, in us, you know, and this is why that great hymn in Philippians that he thought it was not robbery to give himself away. He thought it was, I mean, the truth of the matter is, and our presiding bishop says this, well, the truth of the matter is, is that our history again and again and again showcases when men and women who have given them, uh, given freedoms away uh, so that others might have freedom, those are the men and women we, 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 um, we venerate and deservedly so. Those are the men and women that we look to in times of strife and trouble because their example pulls us through. Their example demonstrates for us. This is why we venerate servicemen and women. We've just had Veterans Day not long ago. Because there's a selflessness that is just made of better stuff than selfishness. And I think we all know this. And so this is the, this is the jujitsu that Jesus is doing, really, if you really want to get down to the core of it. And that is, will you be other-centered? Will you acknowledge that you want to save yourself? Will you acknowledge that you want X, Y, and Z for yourself? And will you just acknowledge that we all have an ego and we all do? But the spiritual invitation here and the the practical lived uh, invitation is, but will you supplant that, not as a mindless robot, but of your own free will, so as to follow Jesus and make of this earth more heaven than hell? Awesome. <laughs> Bishop, thank you. Uh, I'm thinking, hi, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Friends, thank you so much for listening to Four People. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we look forward to being back with you next week.